I'm Stephen Price. Hello, I'm Cara Githens. This is The Innkeepers, a podcast by Sanctuary Inn. At Sanctuary Inn, we believe we are called to equip, refresh, and restore God's global workers. On this podcast, we will be interviewing guests who have much to teach us about the many facets of missionary care. Let's learn together and be encouraged to press on in the work God has given each one of us to do. Hello, welcome back to The Innkeepers. My name is Kara. And I'm Steve. And um, Kara, I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about our guest today. So today we are very privileged to have with us Dr. Barney Davis, and he is a psychiatrist who has had an amazing career providing missionary care um, all around the world. And he and his wife, who uh, passed away a while ago, uh, founded an organization called Godspeed Resources in 1998. And so for the last almost 30 years here, he has been providing missionary care and um, just has so much to share with us about his own journey and how God got him on the path of missionary care and um, just how God has used him and his wisdom that he has you know, gained in all these years of working with missionaries. Okay. Remind me again the first time that we met Barney. So uh, we got to meet uh, Barney at a Care Connection conference here in the Portland area uh, in 2014. Okay. And he um, came to mm. this conference, which is all about missionary care, and uh, was one of the workshop speakers. And it was just a really amazing time to have him at the conference, and then we got to just spend time with him, and it was, he spoke life over our dream. Mm, Remember that? You were there, Steve. Yeah. So 2014, so that means at that point, and usually that conference was in March, I think. Yeah. So at that point, the idea of Sanctuary Inn was probably all of about three months old. Yeah, we We were just dreaming. We had just dreamed, we were dreaming, uh, what would it look like, what would uh, the whole what would missionary care look like and so on. And we had a lot of ideas because we had met with uh, great friends that helped us brainstorm through things and that would continue. The brainstorming continued for another year or more. But uh, even we just started throwing out some ideas to him and I remember him being very, very encouraging to us. Yeah, I felt like he said, run run with it. This is so Mm -hmm. needed. And um, it was just such an encouragement to have someone of his experience level in the mission field say, you know what, you are in a niche and you, mm. you have a, there's a felt need there, so go for it. Yeah. Tell me why, why is, it's significant that a psychiatrist would step into the field of member care. Well, uh, a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. They um, have usually private practices that are very lucrative and, you know, they have a pretty good clientele with um, just the demand is high for their services because there really aren't enough good qualified psychiatrists around these days. Even, I mean, even today, it's still pretty much not a really big number of of people going to study that field. So it's hard to find good psychiatrists and then to have a psychiatrist that's willing to give of their time and energy to care for missionaries all over the world is it's just such a gift. Yeah. Well, and I, when you listen today, you'll you'll hear how he stepped from this full-time career 
into a position where he was um, supported and continues to be supported by outside resources and he's not in private practice anymore and how um, anyway it really was a giant step for him to take and step away from like you said a very lucrative career well let's jump into the interview I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from Dr. Barney Davis Barney, we are so glad that you're here with us tonight. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking. It's good. It's, yeah, you have, bring such a wealth of knowledge and experience and just your own story. We would love to hear more of your story. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came into the field of missionary care and some of your training and you know what has made you passionate about missionary care? First of all, let me thank you that the way you phrase that, a wealth of experience is the nicest way. Anybody's told me I'm really old in a long time, so I'm grateful <laughs> for that. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. I am, I am convinced of that. I do believe I'll see my parents in heaven. But our the faith that they practiced was not necessarily integrated into life. And so went to church and all that. But I managed to escape my upbringing without any knowledge of the gospel. Um, I didn't get saved till about 33 years ago. So I'm a latecomer in the whole process. Um, and so I am a psychiatrist and I had a private practice of general psychiatry with an emphasis on things like neuropsychiatry and psychopharmacology and geriatric psychiatry and all those kind of things, mostly initially in Texas, which is where I trained and had a practice. But then later, because I was trying to pursue my lifelong dream of trying to get where I could sail around the world, we moved to Maryland, which was closer to big water than Texas was. And uh, I went to church because that's what looks good on the resume and is what socially upward mobile physicians do. And uh, anyway, I got saved and it kind of blew me out of the water, so to speak, literally, um, kind of negated the sailing career. <laughs> uh, I got saved by reading scripture. All of that I think is important because again, my next step, still having a lot of flesh and still do, but okay, well, I'm a Christian physician now, what am I supposed to do? I think I'll go do short-term medical missions work, okay. which I did. I did several things. And I, as a physician, I can do some things with general medical quality, and, and I've had some experience with that. But I quickly found that as a psychiatrist, short-term, like two or three-week visits into another culture and another language, it was really hard to apply my trade. It just wasn't time to do it. It was cross-purposes language-wise, cross-purposes culturally. In the early 90s, I was offered an opportunity, providentially, of course, but I didn't know it then, to visit some people affiliated with what was then known as the Commission Project in the mm -hmm. early 90s. It was a mm -hmm. intentional five-year program in what was then the former Soviet Union. And the walls had just come down. They were sending in short-term missionaries with no real long-term career people to go to because there wasn't anybody in the countries. Right. Uh -huh. uh, they were team, small teams of short-term people going scattered throughout the former Soviet Union. And I was offered a chance to go visit some of those teams with a large church group that has some of their members that were in this. And so off I go to Russia with no knowledge whatsoever of missions or missionaries or anything else and visited a lot of these folks at every stop. I mean, it was, I was just inundated with, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was about anything from my kids got an earache and I don't know what to do about it to my wife and I are really struggling here or we miss our whatever, our grandparents, whatever, just the usual life stuff. 
So I came back uh, to, after that visit, came back and told my psychiatric nurse, counselor-type wife, Karen, I said, you know, I think we may have ministry. And so that's when we started then on our own dime, so to speak. I was still in practice, running a practice. We started going back and visiting members of the commission teams Hmm. over the next four years of that five-year program. Mm -hmm. We'd go back several times a year to mostly Russia, but then we'd meet them at their uh, breaks in Switzerland and and in their preparation time here before they were launched. What happened was at the end of that five-year period of time, all these different agencies that had been involved with commission came to us and said, can you do that same thing for us in Honduras? Can you do that same thing for us in Mozambique? Can you do that same thing for us in Hmm. whatever? And so my wife and I kind of looked at each other and said, how many times do you get a chance to do what you really want to do? So I left income producing practice, as it were, in 1998. And we went full time in the process of the two of us providing ministry. At that time, uh, economically, the thing to do was I was still paying for everything, but I needed kind of a tax shelter. So we started an organization, a 501c3 called Godspeed Missionary Care, which initially was just the two of us. But then we started accreting others and drawing others in. Mm -hmm. We were in Maryland at that point in time. And uh, some other folks, uh, maybe you know the name David Wickstrom. He's an extraordinarily well-known MK rep, uh, himself an MK, but also just a good member care psychologist, excellent legend, started the Mental Health and Missions Conferences, by the way. He was the founder of those. And um, some other folks were down in Columbia, South Carolina. They were building a member care center down there. Uh And they called and said, can you guys come down and join us? We'll take over the organizational part and you can run the medical part, which I thought, Praise God, yeah. I'm out of I'm, yeah. I'm out of I'm out of the administrative business. Right. I got down there, and it turned out that the actual infrastructures of both of our organizations didn't so easily mesh. It was not a conflict; it was a matter of just organizational structure. So we co-labored as separate. They were called Missionary Resources Connection. We were Godspeed Missionary Care. And at some point in the last, I don't know, six or seven years, at some point, that's where they merged for Godspeed Resources Connection, which is the GRC that okay. uh, has my logo here, uh, their logo on my shirt. They may be actually renaming. I'm, I'm told that they're may possibly re-brand, rebranding, which means I'll lose half my wardrobe. But um, <laughs> anyway, we well, actually, we had to take the missionary word out because by this time, we we're yeah. serving a lot of people that work in countries where you can't use that word. So yeah. the website's sterile. It, does, it talks about international workers, et cetera. Anyway, that's what I've been doing functionally since 1998. It's full-time involvement with member care services. Okay. Um, uh, interacting with those I, the, the interruptive part which is important in terms of my development and my relationship with God and just the overall process was that Karen who was way the smarter of the two of us and much more fun to talk to developed uh, some neurological symptoms at age 49 and mm-hmm. which turned out to be of course I was in the business so I was early to pick it up but she developed a uh, an early onset dementia mm-hmm. which um progressed over the next 11 years or so. Um, I, I took sabbatical from work to care for her and we moved to Phoenix at that time from South Carolina because we have a daughter here in Phoenix and I wanted to be near one of the kids so, so if anything happened to me they could take care of her. Yeah. And um, so I was pretty much offline for about six or seven years there. Um, she died five years ago, graduated five years ago. Um, in the meantime, the running of GRC had 
continue to just upgrade and upgrade and upgrade. It's grown, it's, it's significantly way more involved in many different areas and under great leadership now. I called them after Karen's death at some point. There was a period of time there where, a little personal note, I my, she had a, a, a frontal temporal dementia as it turned out, which meant her personality completely changed. The woman I married was not the woman that that passed away at all and hadn't been for four or five years. Mm -hmm. So I'd already said goodbye to my wife quite a number of times and didn't expect to have much other to feel or say when she died. But I missed her. I think God's serious about that oneness thing. Even in who she had become, I still missed her presence. Yeah. Yeah. So I, was, I was a little bit too, a little bit too slammed by just grieving, I think, to actually work. So I went and took a year certification in biblical counseling to kind of integrate that into my, into my, technically secular, although I try to integrate anyway. But I did call GRC and say, can I just go back to work? I don't want to run anything. I just want to go see people. And so that was about five years ago okay. and um, had been since that time doing mostly on-field work when we could until COVID. About 50% of my year would be on the field at various places visiting people. But COVID has switched us back to almost 100% virtual at this point, as it has most people. Yeah. So that's the, the long story, not even shortened. Thank you for sharing and just helping us get the big picture, the story, the journey that you've been on. The God has, he, he sounds like he grabbed your attention and plopped you right where he wanted you and gave you ministry in ways you oh. didn't even anticipate. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always regularly excited and rewarded by where he takes me. I'm not always happy with the way he got me there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, but at the same time, it's uh, he's good, and it's been great. It's been great. I'm having more fun in my practice in member care than I ever had before, and so yeah, this is this is good. Well, I think one of the things that we often are trying to communicate with uh, people that are listening to the podcast are that missionaries are pretty ordinary people. You know, they're not superstars. They're not superheroes. They are amazing people because they really do have a lot of amazing faith, and we want to be quick to acknowledge that but it so when you're traveling or either either via computer or face-to-face -face, are there things that are typical or consistent that you see with people working cross-culturally are there things that tend to pop up like oh this is not an uncommon thing well i mean by and large missionaries are more like us than most of us uh, they 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 um, they come into service for the Lord by his calling, but not pristinely all put together. I mean, they, his, his, I mean, if he's got me in the business and then he's not limiting, obviously who he chooses. And, uh, as could attest Peter and John and a bunch of other people that he picked yeah. up on the side, you know, by the, by the sea. Um, no, uh, I think any of you and you're in, in the, in the field as well, People entering service now are typically coming in more wounded, adverse childhood experiences, difficult lives, saved out of problematic backgrounds. And so if life experience is one of those things that happens to everybody, it happens to the missionaries a lot. And um, the, so I, I don't find that there is a, a pattern necessarily that, oh, well, that person's really going to be a good missionary. It's absolutely due to the calling of the Lord. And he uses, I mean, I'm going to up front tell you that the single verse that has both dictated some or described and assured me in my own lifetime, but more than that, that which I see on the field is the Genesis 50:20 passage, which most everybody's familiar with. Joseph's brothers have 
figured out, you know, he knows they're, they're now with him in Egypt. Father's there, except father has just died, and the brothers are basically fearing that, well, since dad's died, he was just waiting. Now he's going to get even with us. And he, in turn, they so they plead with him for their survival, and his response, depending on your translation, basically says, no, no, no. That which was intended, or you intended for evil, God will use for good that many will be saved. And the fact that God allows all of these difficulties, past and present, in our lives is painful. We try to help with understanding. We try to help people with resilience and getting through and understanding and rewiring where it needs to be so that your reactions are not just automatic. But more importantly, to recognize his sovereignty and why would a good God who only gives good gifts to his kids allow this in your life and how is he going to use it for the kingdom? And so it's not like people coming in with problems ought to get rid of their problems before they go in. He's brought them in because of the problems. He's allowed the problems in some way that he's going to use that in their ability to then reach out to somebody else. And a lot of times it's people's pain that equips them best to be heard by the guy that's in pain himself, you know. So, uh, no, I, I don't know a particular pattern other than we're just, you know, Romans 7 written for me, but others can read it. I mean, we all have some flesh going on and, 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 we carry our own stuff with us, but it's all under the sovereignty of God. Maybe that's too much for your answer, but that's my experience. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. I mean, God is in the business of redeeming missionaries just as much as the people that oh. missionaries are sent to. And when, when the guy in pain or the couple in pain or whatever, grief, loss, trauma, whatever it may be, when they can begin to sense that redemption component where they can see that their own suffering, their own upset, their own hurt is now actually equipping them in some way to then be of service to somebody else. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make the pain go away, but it's, it, ca- it gives cause and purpose and meaning, and, mm-hmm. and, and it makes it useful rather than just painful. So, yeah. Yeah. That can be healing in and of itself. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So do you, do missionaries ever have big psychological problems? Nah, no, they're all crazy. No, I mean, no. <laughs> no. Well, they kind of are, but I mean, missionaries, come on. You see issues of schizophrenia and mental health disorder? Actually, the, the formal psychiatric big-time diagnoses, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, et cetera, the, the diagnosable conditions somewhat self-select out earlier on because of the, just the nature of the illness it typically presents earlier in life. And so by the time they go through a screening process, there's usually, if that were there, it's been picked up and sort of said, maybe this is not the best connection. But that's changing, particularly in terms of the affective disorders, things like bipolar disorder and major depressive disorder. As recently as seven or eight years ago, a diagnosis of bipolar disorder would automatically ex- cause an exit from the field and or stop anybody going if that was picked up early on that's not true anymore we've got people that have clear-cut histories of bipolar disorder that are actively working on the field under good control medicationally psychotherapeutically functioning normally and so i don't see much schizophrenia first onset schizophrenia we'll see i'll see maybe two or three times a year first onset psychosis usually in a younger population like an mk Uh you know a situation where a kid is developing an acute psychosis I had one just uh, three or four weeks ago in a, in a full adult who had a sudden onset psychotic situation. I thought it was so sudden and so dramatic. We thought probably it had a biological ba- background or basis in something, but we never could find it. But she got st- we were able to get, st- get her stabilized from afar with limited resources there. And then eventually she was expatriated back to her, her home of origin and is doing fine. But we don't see much of that. So the majority of diagnoses 
and again, caveat emptor, I am a board certified psychiatrist, which means I have board certification as an expert in the only field of medicine that can't prove any diagnosis it makes, okay? Um, <laughs> because now sooner than later, we will have actual tests that we will be able to run to send you off your depression titer or the PET scan to look at for your, um, in fact, I was reading a paper today that EEG brainwave testing is now able at the research level, but re reproducibly so to distinguish both PTSD and depression in terms of subtypes that may or may not respond to medication. Wow. So wow. which one, which, which ones of those, which should you medicate, which ones is not going to probably do any good, not instead of, but as in addition to. So we're getting closer to having better actual practical definition of when some of the medical interventions work. Uh -huh. um, but by and large, all of our diagnoses are pretty subjectively determined. So as best we can, we try to hold on to that. No, most of it's in, in for illness issues, it's almost always the, some form of either traumatic response, PTSD, major depression or, or depressive disorders, panic anxiety or generalized anxiety issues. So trauma related, depression related, anxiety related, that's m most of what we deal with. For sure. Can you talk a little bit about um, someone trying to maybe overcoming stigma of asking for help that maybe, oh, I shouldn't I shouldn't have a problem. How this, maybe sometimes they have to get around that first, like they have to recognize that, yes, there is. I do need oh, yeah. to talk to someone. Excuse me. So much of that is dependent upon their past training and experience, the agency they serve with, the milieu and the culture that they're from, in that some are proactive about saying, Hey, how you doing? You know, and others, parenthetically, I have a couple that is now in, they've had active and wonderful missionary service back in the U.S. They're feeling absolutely incorrectly, I think, called to go back to the field rendering member care. And they've just lost two of their major supporting churches who said, we don't consider caring for missionaries as, as something we think is worthy of support. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that kind of thing still happens in, in terms of the recognition of, of wow. the worth and the value. Corporate America never would send somebody without that kind of preparation and, and ongoing care. But to the personal issues of everybody does, well, the, the diseases of depression and a lot of others come with kind of an inordinate sense of guilt. I'm a bad person. I ought to be doing better anyway. Mm -hmm. So some of that comes with the illness itself. And it, a lot of it depends on your theology. You know, if you're if you're more of a classic or Arminian basis, there's more personal involvement and guilt, perhaps, and, and more reformed. There's more fear of my, maybe I never was and have chosen in the first place. But I mean, literally, the theology will sometimes dictate this. It's getting better uh, in that we're getting younger and younger people that are coming in. And as I've already mentioned, there's a higher degree of already having faced issues. They've already had counseling. They've already had some kind of interface. They're not opposed to it. And um, and so it's less so. I, I address it up front. I mean, kind of like say, okay, hi, I'm Barney, and let's start off from scratch. Yes, you need to pray more and love the Lord more and read your scripture more. Okay, let's get in with it because that's true for all of us. Right. You know, it is absolutely true for all of us. Yeah. I need to read scripture more and pray more and trust God more. That would not necessarily keep me from getting appendicitis or might not keep me from getting asthma or might not keep me from getting a depression. Right. So. You know, so it's it's there. It's still palpable. It's always upsetting and concerning when I hear it. Mm -hmm. But I would, in my now thirty plus years of doing member care, uh, it is way less the problem. We're, there, people are seeking help now that would have never said so before, uh -huh. which is uh -huh. good. 
Yeah. So you've seen yeah. you've seen a shift in the thirty years. Of- oh, absolutely. And part some of that's purely me- some of that's mechanical. I mean, the agencies, the attrition rates are such that people are losing faster than they can supply people. And so, with increased levels of quote unquote pathology, people coming in, as I mentioned, with bruised pasts and stuff that may put them in high risk anyway, with the transiency and just the geopolitical unrest of our world right now, mm-hmm. mission agencies are finding it difficult to get people out there and keep them out there. And it's an economic issue. Why invest, mm-hmm. you know, a ton of money to try to get somebody prepared to go to have them come back in 18 months because they just burned to a crisp. Yeah. So they're finding it important to take proactive steps. Our organization, GRC, has now just completed its third or fourth contract, so to speak, arrangement with people like MedSend, the funding agency for a ton of medical missionaries, uh, Christian Health Service Corps, um, Velvet Ashes, um, South American missions that have said, can you do wellness checks for our people? So you can you be in regular, preemptive, proactive contact just to see how things are going. Are they thriving? Are they feeling okay? And, and we, we, we use the term struggling well. It's hard to find anybody that's not having some difficulty, wherever they may be. That's life. But life. That's life. But are they handling it well? Do they have resources, et cetera? And so if somebody is having difficulty, we can try to address that at that time. Or if not, we've then made a connection with them. Uh, enough so that if then something happens two months or six months or nine months down the road and they at least know somebody to call that's already got some some information so those kind of kind of preparatory preemptive maneuvers are way more common now way more common which is a good thing i think yeah, yeah. absolutely that's that sounds actually- preventive preventive medicine beats yeah. you know third range treatment every time so yeah you know. absolutely so what would you say are some signs that um someone should be reaching out for help um, to a counselor, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist? Well, I mean, most of your listeners may not be sailors, but I, again, that was my whole goal in life. And there was, you know, if you have sails up and you look like there's a storm coming, if the storm hits, you, you want to reduce your sail area. That's called reefing the sails, okay? okay. And the, the old adage was the time to reef is when you first think about it. Mm-hmm. So if you see the storm coming, that's, and you say, gee, I wonder if I need to reef. Yes, is the answer. Because mm-hmm. if you wait until the storm hits and the wind is blowing and the you boat's laying on its side, it's 10 times harder to get to the sails and make all that kind of stuff happen. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just very, very difficult. So sooner than later is always the best answer. If you feel like there's a question, check with somebody and let's see what's going on. You know, that's mm-hmm. first of all. My basic criteria are that if the usual issues of taking it to the Lord, I mean, you follow Matthew 18 for interpersonal conflicts. You basically take a look at your ability. Are you, are you doing already the things that God has instructed us to do? Mm -hmm. Are you handling conflict biblically? Have there been efforts made to seek the usual resources that we have between friends and family and others? And you're having mine or what we call in my business called the vegetative symptoms consistent trouble sleeping, chronic feelings of tiredness or restlessness. I just can't get out of bed. I just have no energy anymore, or I can't sleep. I'm jumping around all the time. I'm so anxious. Uh, Changes in appetite or weight of any significance. Uh, Physical symptoms that don't have a good explanation or can't be dealt with. If there's prolonged periods of time when you've not had a break, and that's all obviously varies from field to field, situation to situation, Mm -hmm. but 
and or times of recent transition, having just gotten on the field and or getting ready to leave for any particular, um, whether it's an elective HMA or maybe it's just a needs to a debrief or whatever, but times of transition. All those are the times you want to kind of turn the light on and say, hey, am I doing okay here? You know, maybe I, and I have a, <laughs> a fellow that was a missionary in Russia way back when I was talking about 30 years plus ago, who still contacts me on a regular basis, probably once or twice a year. He's not even in the mission work anymore. He's still connected to the kingdom and doing great work, but he's stateside based, but he calls it his checkup from the neck up. Oh, you see, he, okay. he will check, he will check with me every so often and say, well, I'm doing okay. Let me just go over what's cooking. It's like going to his dentist, he says, you know, uh, twice yeah. a year. So uh, again, the proactive kind of regular assessment, I think is valuable. But if, if someone's saying, gee, Maybe I ought to, you think I ought to talk to a counselor? The answer is probably yes. It's mm -hmm. worthy of finding out at that point in time. Talk to somebody and see what happens with the process. Yeah. So, and if you someone does realize, wow, I, I need to, you know, I've checked and I tried all these things that you mentioned and I do need to get help, what, what steps would you suggest? Well, it depends on who the, what the situation is and who they're with. There are some agencies that already have really effective, solid member care function and action within their own organization. Some people that I'll get referrals from are other member care people with other organizations that are doing world-class job of keeping track of people. And they're asking me for maybe kind of that psychiatric extra piece of, is there evidence here of something more significant or medicine needed? So if you're, if in fact your particular agency already provides some people, then use them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, now, there have been problems, of course, that some agencies and some very well-known agencies have either been inadvertently or advertently they decided to connect their member care issues, excuse me for a sec, with, the, with um, HR or something, and people are afraid to say, I can't go to my own organization, or at least the thing I want to talk about is that my jerk organization, I'm having trouble with my team leader. You know, I can't yeah. well, talk to your team leader. No, he's my problem. Okay, so what do you do about that? So they're looking for outsourced resources so if there are other non-appropriate or not 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 uh, accessible issues our organization is open for that question now we are called godspeed resources uh, i'm on support we don't get any of the money that comes out of this i mean there's there's a fee attached it's, it's extraordinarily uh, minimal uh, compared to private care kind of stuff but grc and i'll put in the the, the plug now at this point it's headquartered in South Carolina, but we have clinicians spread from Brazil to Phoenix, for that matter, to other parts of the world. And right now, we've got four psychiatrists. We're the only organization that has psychiatrists. We have four, all, everybody involved with us is missions connected in some way. Four psychiatrists, and I think at the moment, seven licensed counselors, all with missions experience, varying from PhD psychologists to licensed mental health counselors to LPCs. Uh, and the website, which uh, you can, I'm sure, at some time put up on the screen. Yeah, yeah godspeedresources.org. If you go to that, it'll clearly have a get started or ask for help kind of request for service, which is a sterile but appropriate form you fill out, goes to them. They'll be back in contact saying, contact saying how can we help? And so we've got intake procedures that kind of help triage the circumstances about how quick does this need to be done, what are the ages involved. So our organization, we're not the only one, and there are plenty of good ones out there. Well, maybe not plenty. There's good ones out there, but yeah. there's not enough, not enough resources. But certainly yeah. GRC is willing to provide that. And there's times when we will listen to a problem and say, you know what? We're not the right people to do this, but let me tell you who you can call. And so we will refer in that regard. Yeah. 
So really it's take a step if you feel like. Yeah, take a step, hold up your hand, you know, yeah. back of the room, say, hey, I've got a question here. When you talk Absolutely. to missionaries about kind of their daily lives, which vary from place to place, depending on where they are in the world. But I think we all can have healthy routines, no matter where we're living. What kinds good. of things are, do you think are important that, that make up a good, healthy routine? Well, again, I can give and you probably already know the list. And we, those of us in the care business at some level kind of have that. We already know what we wish everybody could do. Sometimes the settings don't permit it. Sometimes they don't always have permission to do some things. I mean, there are a couple of things. Obviously, let's go back to the, yeah, we need to pray more and trust God more and read our Bible more. One of the first things that goes when people begin to get under stress is their personal walk. They start cutting back on their time with the Lord, time in the Word. And so I always ask about that, not in a judgmental way, but because people will say the conflict, the process, the hurt, the whatever's happening, that that's given up. So a return to the thing that makes us tick, the core of our being, is always in order. And that is, in if that can be done in a particular kind of a kickstart with a retreat of some kind or a couple of days away or go to the beach or go walk in the woods or do something to kind of get back on track with God, that's, that's if at all possible, that's the core issue. Uh, maintaining just a personal walk. Taking a break of any kind is, is at least temporarily therapeutic. We've got one agency that we have recommended, and this is, and another one that on their own did it. There's one agency we work with. It's a, mostly sends medical people. And they're in their contract with their missionaries. They mandate that they must take six days off every quarter okay. away from the work. All right. Wow. You know, and which is massively helpful. And, and if you think we're kidding, we're not going to pay you. If you won't get a paycheck, you won't get your support check if you don't do that. Show us that you've done it. And we're not talking about, you know, just sleeping in. We're talking about getting away from the issues at hand, going somewhere or in some circumstance that represents a change that allows your system to kind of reboot and restore. So regular scheduled time apart from however that might look. And it is very, it varies from situation to situation. It's really more the intent and the regularity of it than it is the actual process of, of where and when. Um, the other things that, you know, we forget about, and again, they're not always possible to be done, but regular, the one people always ask me for years, even before I got saved, still practicing medicine, is there anything I can do to make my anxiety better, my depression better? And the answer is across the board, this has been true multiple times shown by scientific study. The one thing we can do that actually makes a difference physiologically is a regular aerobic exercise. Hmm. So, Working out, if you're used to that sort of thing, taking at least a brisk walk two or three times a week, even doing in-house little aerobics of some kind, that is physiologically therapeutic and restorative. Um, even if you, if you feel awful in the process, it's still doing something good. So regular aerobic exercise has a, has a distinctly positive impact on emotional functioning. And that's because, as we, as you both know, we're learning more and more about the systems that God has put in place in our brains to process emotions. And there's so much that's interconnected with physical function, you know, that, yeah, exactly. We're whole people. And so just paying attention to those things, if, if even just some basic relaxation exercises, just a, in the middle of a really awful day, teaching yourself to be able to take 10 slow breaths, and hold them and just that simple breathing exercise of just taking the few minutes to take 10 slow breaths just breathing deeper at that moment with the process of relaxation it's it's it really has more impact than one would imagine but it's provable and true 
uh, and again, you know, we're not, we weren't created to be in a vacuum. We serve a God of restored relationships who's all about this. So talking with somebody, even you don't have to seek a counselor to just be able to ventilate, particularly if it's issues like grief or just trauma, just being able to talk about what one felt. The listener doesn't have to do anything but be there, you know, to receive without judgment or without critique. And um, so our tendency is to avoid and clam up when exactly, exactly it's the opposite that really is therapeutic. So these are things we could all do pretty much wherever we are. It varies on what it looks like, depending on the restrictions of geography, culture, danger, whatever. Yeah. There, there okay. may be limitations, but I'm, I'm sure all of us could take some more deep breaths and all of us could. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take, take 10 when I'm done with this because I got to think. We don't stress yet, right? Uh, no, we're good. It's the other things. <laughs> you, you guys are a joy. This part's fun. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a story or a scenario that you could share at least some details of maybe someone that contacted Godspeed and you were able to work with them and, and share a little bit about a, a positive transformation? I well, got two or three hundred. You know, yeah. Where do you want to start? <laughs> you, let's start with just a hundred of them. Just a couple. Just start with a hundred of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't mean to be avoidant of this. Literally, there's so many. It's hard to pick the one that was the most obvious, a most obvious. But for me personally, and again, my bias is probably going to be in terms of my assessment of how to answer that question is going to involve some degree of medical component, uh -huh. because often I'm in the process of me taking the history of being referred to me. I, thank God I'm in an age where I no longer feel like I have to have all the answers. I think my task is more to make sure that the right questions are being asked because so many times when I'm asked to assess somebody, we're not really doing anything other people can't do except taking more time to ask more questions okay. just to get the full, just to let somebody give the full history. So a, for instance, very recently, uh, permission to talk about this in the generic. I'll try not to identify anybody, yeah. but somebody I've actually worked with, a prominent, um, very successful in terms of output and work and kingdom impact for literally years, you know, and medically connected. There's some medical issues in terms of they're within the healthcare spectrum, uh, but with a ton of personal, both remote and present stresses and issues that had never really been worked through. And then the newest ones required some really meticulous kind of disentanglement. And I've had the privilege of working with this person and the family and various members of the family often known for like three years. And so deal with this problem and kind of work on some things and kind of then drop off and something else pops up and we deal with it and something else pops up. And so I've gotten to know them quite well. But in the last make up a number, three years, two years, well, I've been seeing them for maybe three or four, the last two years, there's been the increasing component of what looks like just burnout. And with a good explanation, because so much stuff going on in their lives, in their work, and just in the world, that just exhaustion and a sense of futility, I just, there's not enough for me to go around, and there isn't, but, but even more of that than usual. And just a sense of, I'm not, and which then it begins to get people irritable and you start then developing conflict out of irritability. You start getting team frictions and all the stuff that you recognize happens out of when we're not functioning at our best. And so, okay, let's plan to have an intense time of two or three days at least of debrief or somewhere to go into this more deeply. Just kind of start from scratch and look at the situation. All right. Couldn't do it. Schedule a time to do it earlier in the year. Got slammed by COVID. It's going to meet internationally for a break time in a certain situation. Everything got canceled. Waited until later, not terribly long ago, they actually were able to finally get back to the U.S. And the only time and place that we could 
find a chance to meet was for like five days at a lakeside cabin somewhere in different part of the U.S. It was remote, okay, and you can argue all day the ethics of the psychiatrist coming in and actually living with the evaluation, the evaluating patient, but hey, missionary service, you go, I mean, I've had the issue of sleeping, of talking with somebody's it was somebody during the daytime somewhere on the field with the most intimate of issues and then helping them wash dishes that night because I'm staying in their house because there was no other place to stay. So, I mean, those those inadvertent and inescapable issues of boundary, mm-hmm. careful boundary settings. Anyway, so I was with them for three or four days in the, in a remote cabin with few few um, amenities, but pleasant and, enjoy, and beautiful had plenty of time, a lot of time to really focus back on some of the things that we knew about and some of the extensions of that that we hadn't paid attention to. And that was good, made some good progress. The most viable and probably the most helpful is that I couldn't sleep when I was there. And the reason I couldn't sleep when I was there because the person snored all night long, very profoundly, which since I was awake, I was then able to count the number of apneic episodes I was hearing 30 or 40 Mm -hmm. times during the night where he wasn't breathing. Wow. And so out of that experience, we got him evaluated. He's got one of the worst cases of obstructive sleep apnea that people have seen in that major center. So he is being fitted for his appurtenances and all the appliances and stuff. So the impact medically of obstructive sleep apnea can be exhaustion, tiredness, chronic tiredness, irritability, depression, difficulty with cognition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that have been part of the complaints can be at least, if not explained by, certainly impacted by this. Exacerbated. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's that kind of situation where I would have never known that on a Zoom call, by the way. Sure. You know, I would have yeah. never been able to pick that up on a regular office visit. So that's one of those things where God orchestrates circumstances where we get more information and more information. And you go, wow. Okay. Finally beginning to get all the pieces of the puzzle. That particular situation was important, no less so than some personal relationships of 35 years ago that need to be understood, no less important mm-hmm. than some current stresses, but all of that needed to be understood in the context of, well, as a good God who only does good things, what kind of package is he putting together in this guy's life? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you get when you get to be part of something like that, when you get to be allowed in to the most kind of intimate evidences of what God is doing in a person or allowing in a person, conflict or success, either way, that's just exciting to again, then begin to see the pieces that are falling into place, what God really wanted you to see mm. and how he's using that. So that's uh, I hope that was, I think if this guy is listening uh, at some point in time, he'd say, oh, I can't believe you said that. Well, I didn't, I didn't qualify who it was and where it was <laughs> yeah. or what it was, but that's the kind of thing that I, I see those things happening all the time, well, which is why at age 76, I'm still doing what I'm doing and hope to get another 10 years at it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's kind of a, just a fascinating example of a, of emotional, spiritual, physical, all, all, all the above. Yeah. And every yeah. piece of that theological issues, yeah past personal issues, psychological issues, conflict issues, mechanical issues, physical issues, every bit of that we have now had time enough and opportunity enough to really at least address questions, ask right questions again and start looking for right answers. And uh, it's just, for lack of a better term, it's fun. I'm not the one that necessarily has to to deal with all of it, but it's it's uh, good stuff to see God work. It really is. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so what would you um, say that you wish more missionary caregivers or family members or people who are providing support for missionaries knew or understood about 
caring for missionaries? I think starting with the very thing you started off with, that they're like everybody else. The fact that they may be serving Jesus in a country 8,000 miles away does not mean that they don't have personal issues, conflict issues, personal needs, failures, days of great joy, days of great sadness, disappointments, longings, joys, etc. Um, that they have, if, if, if a person on this side of the ocean, so to speak, is, oh, by the way, while I'm praying for my missionary, I got to pay attention to the fact my kid's sick. And, you know, I haven't been out with my husband for, we hadn't had date night for three weeks for crying out loud. Um, you know, and I don't know what we're going to do about our finances this week. I'm not totally sure we got enough to buy food. If you're having those problems, I will guarantee you that the person that you're praying for and supporting on the other side of the ocean is having exactly the same problems. Maybe not exactly at the same time, but the same nature of interpersonal relationship, day-to-day living challenges, questions about just the, the stuff of life, mm-hmm. they're dealing with it too. And so to be able to pray specifically for that is helped if you contact them and say, need to know how you're doing. How can I best pray for you? You know, the, in the old days, Karen and I would have people come to our church to give a presentation, and they would give the standard and valuable presentation. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people heard the gospel, we're building a new church, praise God, it's all going well, and they'd come to our house to stay with us and weep on the couch yeah. because they were exhausted or tired, or, and they were afraid to mention that, afraid somebody would lose support or lose prayer support yeah. or mm-hmm. financial support. So to have a non-judgmental interest in the well-being of another person is they will know us by our love for each other. That's biblical. And to live that out, even in terms of how we address and deal with our missionaries, wherever they may be. And sometimes that doesn't require, well, most of it doesn't require you to do anything. The listening is just, I can't, the number of times that we've gone places for what looked like an ostensibly very good reason, there was a purpose in going and perhaps there's a purpose that we could see when we got there, but you'd check back later with, you know, how did we do? Did it work well? What would you do differently? Across the board, across the board, they say, I can't believe you just came. You listened. You just mm-hmm. sat there. You let you let me weep over the loss of my sister that I wasn't able to go to her funeral because I was mm-hmm. 8,000 miles away. Mm-hmm. And you let me grieve, you know, that just being with somebody in the midst of their pain yeah. itself is therapeutic. That's the body of Christ at work. Okay. And so to the extent that we can do that for each other, wherever we may be and whatever level of support or involvement we are, that's good stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the best work I've ever been privileged to do, so to speak, was just shutting up and sitting still and listening to somebody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of us can do that. I don't do as well as I ought to, but, but uh, yeah, does that help in that regard? It also is encouraging to me in terms of so much of what you said is part of what our vision and our ministry is here at Sanctuary Inn Mm -hmm. is to provide that space. Exactly. The opportunity and place and space to safely safely be able to experience your heart. Yeah. 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 We, we, uh, people are always asking, well, what's the schedule when I'm there? And the schedule, I always write back, well, the schedule is like, there's not a schedule. Right. We want you to come. We want you to enjoy being outside. We live in a national inner near a national forest. Um, go explore, get, get outdoors, breathe some fresh air, um, sleep in and then go back to sleep, keep sleeping and eat yeah. whatever you want. And we'll check in with you and see how you're doing. So, yeah. And eventually we do provide a cross culture debriefing as well. Yeah. But our sure. focus is, is to provide that time and space that you're talking about that's so desperately needed 
Yeah, y'all open next week? No, no, wait a minute. I've got some stuff scheduled. But that, we would love to have you. We would yeah. I'd love to. Well, I'm on your side of the country. Maybe I'll get up there. Right. Yes, to. please do. We look forward to it. As long as I don't have to stay up all night listening to somebody snore and count their apneic episodes, if, <laughs> that would be good. We'll put you in uh, your own room. Yeah. Oh, perfect. That would be great. No, I, But you're exactly right. The uh, The atmosphere of being just quietly in God's hands and not without expectation, without some, uh, what do I have to do with this or respond to this? Just being there and taking that deep breath emotionally, physically. And for me personally, if, if there's an outdoors to get to from, I'm kind of a water guy myself. I've been on a boat works for me, but also I did, we had a men's retreat this last weekend at my church and we were up at the Tonto Rim, which in Arizona is somewhat like what you've got mountains, trees, pine trees, mm -hmm. you know, a lovely area. And there's just something that is just so refreshing about just being in the silence of God's creation like yeah. that. It's humbling and restorative. So, yeah, good on you. Good on you for what you're doing. Okay. Thank, well, thank you. you. So is there anything that you would like to wrap up and make sure that our listeners know about or um, just are, are aware of? Well, God's still in control. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's always a good thing to remember that he's still on the throne and he has a he, he has a purpose and a part in all of this. Um, just preaching gospel to yourself on a daily basis, recognizing without judgment, just our frailties and therefore you know, it is it is our in our weaknesses that he has made strength that he has strength and so that we continue our connection with him. Even in times when it feels like he's disconnected, he isn't, of course, but even when we feel alone, he's right there with us. So to maintain the word, maintain the faith, and just be able to talk about it with people, that's restorative. That's God at work. That's the building of the body. And, uh, yeah, it works. Yeah, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. It kind of work is the basis for Jesus when he answered the question, so I'll go with his answer, okay? That's Sounds it. great. Good. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Hey, this has been good. Good on, Again, good, and thank you so much for what you guys do. It's critical and important and restorative, and I hope to be able to attest to that personally at some point in the future. We, so. we look forward to it. And just so you know that we do have kind of a signature chocolate chip cookie that we you know, can make available it's, it's to here you. waiting for you. Yeah. yeah. Was it was it not enough that you had already drawn me in and then you used the chocolate word? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So. get the in front of me chocolate. I mean, that's not even that's not even temptation. That's that's destiny. That's, I'm good with that. So. Well, that was a lot of information. Dr. Barney is passionate about what he does, and he obviously has a big, big heart for missionaries around the world. Yeah, and he has just, like I said at the beginning, a wealth of information and experience in this field, and it was just an honor to sit and listen to him. And I, I never heard his story either mm -hmm. of how God just grabbed his attention and said... I want you doing this. It wasn't even like he had yeah. a whole lot of say in it in some way. Well, like, and it was interesting that Barney came to Christ later in life. It was in his early 30s before he even came to Christ. And then it wasn't very long after that, really, it would seem before um, the whole idea of this member care started become kind of on his radar. Yeah. And I mean, God just kept giving him more and more opportunities to use his expertise as a psychiatrist and i mean 30 years ago there were really mm -hmm. 
so few mm. psychiatrists in the field of missionary care. I mean, he's yeah. one of the pioneers. Yeah, he may have been the only psychiatrist at that point that was in member care. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's the only one. But there, you could probably yeah. count him on one hand. Yeah, yeah. His stories of traveling into Russia, too, in the early 90s. Uh, yeah, I can imagine, I can picture, mentally picture a lot, some stuff that was happening there because we were in Eastern Europe in the early 90s and and we weren't in Russia, but um, yeah, there was... They had the some, same flavor. Yeah, <laughs> same flavor. And there were some tough situations. And it, it, was, um, it was emotionally hard at times to be in Eastern Europe because of the overall um, discouragement. There was just a discouragement and a, just a despairing attitude among uh, a lot of people. Yeah, so he was going in helping international workers when there was no one mm-hmm. paying attention to what those people were those yeah those yeah. missionaries were doing. People living in a lot of isolation, seclusion, cut off, and uh, really the very early days of the internet, really, and so people probably just didn't have a lot of resources to be in touch with one another. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think one thing I heard that I heard him say that really struck me was how um, more and more people who are growing up, you know, in in their lives are just more more wounds, more trauma, more things happening in their lives. And, and now these people are stepping into um, ministry, cross-cultural ministry sometimes or ministry in the States. And so um, there's – it's not – it's just the fact is that they're just bringing that with them. Yeah. They don't become oh. super healed superhero mm. Christians yeah. that go to the mission field. Like yeah. they bring their woundedness with them and right. um, that has to be addressed and cared for. And what I loved is as he even even as he brought that up, he was talking about how God doesn't waste anything and how right. God can redeem even the missionary in their woundedness, just as the missionary is going to teach others about redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, he's often redeeming, you know, their own stories first. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm often telling our missionary guests here, it's kind of been one of my little mantras has been that God is just as concerned about the life of the missionary and what they do, who they are. And that's just as important as mm-hmm. what they do. Oh, I've seen that over and over again and where because the missionaries have missionaries tend to live with an urgency. Like we need to raise support. We need to get on the field. We need to be doing this and that, you know, whatever do, it is. Do, do. Yeah. And you know, we're called to do this and so we have to go and do it and we can't stop and all these sort of things. But um yeah, so many times God takes people the long way around and you're like, God, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, obviously God knows there's a need. Obviously God knows people are perishing without the gospel. But at the same time, God is doing his work in the life of the missionary before he really um, sends that missionary out to, to represent him. Yeah. And I feel like um, Dr. Barney was talking about that redemption story and multiple times in his conversation with us and how, you know, even someone with a mental illness, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're they're not fit to be missionaries. Mm-hmm. Right. It means get help, yeah. you know, because you're a human being just like the rest of us that yeah. from time to time yeah. has struggles. Yeah. And um, I think that's one thing that that we're seeing as a theme in our podcast is that mm-hmm. 
missionaries are normal, real people who just have some, sometimes some extraordinary circumstances. Yeah. I appreciate when he mentioned uh, a couple different times that we all know that our time alone with God, praying more, and, and all these things are so significant and so important. But it's not always the answer. Praying more, reading the Bible more, and so on, doesn't fix everything. And I think um, we want to be really careful to acknowledge the fact that it's th- those are significant parts. And Barney came back to it, and he said, don't ever neglect your time with God. But at the same time, uh, it's not the answer for everything. We all know that we fall short of really our own expectations for ourselves. But uh, maybe there's just times you need to step back and step away or spend some concentrated time with God or start asking questions. Am I okay? Do I need to talk to someone? And what was the sailing thing he talked about there? Yeah, well, if you, he, his analogy was that if you see the storm, yeah. then you stop and you think maybe you need to put your sails down, you do it right away. You right don't away. wait till the storm's already hit. Yeah, Um, because then it's too late. And I think that is just a really good analogy for, you know, burnout, being stressed out, being anxious, depressed, Mm -hmm. any of the 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 many many emotional responses we have. Mm -hmm. Which you know, we're whole people. We are going to have emotional, spiritual um, struggles. Like that's part of life. And Mm -hmm. um, I feel like our world is been more stressed out than ever before mm-hmm. um but there, we can still reach out and ask for help yeah and more and more resources are becoming available to missionaries and and as he said too a lot of organizations have uh, really good member care options within their organization sometimes it's necessary to reach outside that organization but if there is um, an avenue for you to seek care in your organization, then then do that. Yeah. Start asking questions. Yeah, and if, if not, um, like you mentioned, Godspeed Resources, um, they have a website with where you can go in and find um, a counselor, a psychiatrist, or a psychologist that could help you um, online, wherever you are in the world. So yeah. that is a really amazing resource. So yeah. we will be putting their website in our notes and um, yeah, that just I want you guys to know about one more amazing resource out there. Yeah, well, we hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Dr. Barney as much as we enjoyed our time with Dr. Barney. So um, again, this is Steve. And I'm Kara. And thanks for listening to The Innkeepers. Thank you for tuning in to The Innkeepers podcast. Our mission at Sanctuary Inn is to equip, refresh, and restore God's Global Workers for Kingdom Purposes. We hope today's podcast was an encouragement to you and maybe you were prompted to pass this along to someone you know that will benefit from today's conversation. Creating a podcast is a team effort. Car and I prepare and do the interviews and we're grateful for the time that our guests give us out of their busy schedules to help us learn more about missionary care. We also want to thank Tim Downing for the music that he wrote and performed specifically for the Innkeepers podcast. Tim is a very talented musician, and you can learn more about him and his work at downingkeys.com. Our podcast is edited by Javier Bolanos and is produced by Tim Cowley of Cowley Visuals. 
If you have media needs, including film, photography, or audio, you can reach Tim at cowleyvisuals.com. Our website and show notes are prepared by Micah Gibbons, Cara's amazing husband. You can visit the Sanctuary Inn website and learn more about the ministry of Sanctuary Inn at sanctuaryinn.org. Thank you again for joining us on our journey to learn more about missionary care. See you next time.